0: Day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad. In him. So good to see each and every one of you on this Lord's Day. My name is Brandon Reddick, and I have the awesome privilege and pleasure of serving as the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church where, as Pastor Dominic said, we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. On behalf of all of those who make up the body of the Bridge Church, It's we say thank you for being with, with us. If you would be so kind, if this is your first or second time with us, we'd ask that you would complete a bridge card. It's that white and orange card in the back of the seat in front of you. Um, And we want to know that you were here and we want to be able to to say thank you in some tangible way for being with us um, on this Lord's day. We've come up now to the time of the preached word. It is our time to hear from heaven. And so God has spoken. He has revealed himself, his ways, his will um, for us and to us in Holy Scripture. So if you would turn to, and grab your Bibles, your devices, and turn, swipe there to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28 will begin at verse number 16. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number 16. As is our custom, let's stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Matthew 28, beginning with verse number 16. Uh, this, This Sunday, we only have Five verses. So let's read those together. Uh, but we also need to read them because there is something that we are specifically called to in this text. So let us read, beginning with verse number 16. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. If you don't have a copy of the English Standard Version, uh, get you one. Uh, ha! Ha! Y'all crazy. <laughs> but we do have it on the screens for you, for you to read along with us. Beginning with verse number 16, let us read. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My soul overflowed with joy at the week we had last week leading up to Easter Sunday. Our week, Holy Week, began with Pastor Dominic leading us through morning prayer, Monday through Saturday. And I'm convinced that those of us who participated felt better because prayer would do that to you. There's a song in the Baptist hymnal which said, just a little talk with Jesus will make everything all right. And then for some reason, they just start saying, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Just a little talk with Jesus will make it all right. And so we were led in prayer to go to our most holy God. And then on Friday, we had our Good Friday service right here in this space. And as one person told me, it was heart-wrenching. As we saw by way of dramatization and video, our Lord dying on the cross to see the the reenactment of the beatings, the flogging, The the blood that was shed. We sang, we, we listened and read scripture. Oh, what a time it was. Then Good Friday gave way to Silent Saturday. Holy Saturday, where many of you participated in a corporate fast. You fasted from things that would cause you to run to Jesus. We showed our, our union with Christ in the sacrifice. But then, Sunday came. He rose. He lives. He has the victory, as y'all just sang. Oh, what a time we had last Sunday even with a 13 minute sermon oh what a time we had our worship team led us wonderfully in songs we sang we praised we preached for a little bit we 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 partook in holy communion oh what a resurrection sunday it was ah I, I, I left here Full, full, full. And not because I had some good brisket in ham. It was good. But I left here spiritually nourished from all the ways the gospel was proclaimed. We had a celebration last Easter. Now what? That seemed like the climax, the culmination. How do you follow up Easter Sunday? After Resurrection Sunday, the story goes on. And that's what we see in these last five verses that you all read. Here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 8 through 20. After resurrection, now what? Well, for the time that is ours to share together before we go to the pool in a little bit, let me share with you three points from the text. After resurrection Sunday, we first see the king's pronouncement in the text. The king's pronouncement, it starts in uh, verse 17 where he declares that all authority, Jesus is speaking, he is speaking, and the author sets us up before he gets to the pronouncement. He lets us know that Jesus is speaking to the 11 remaining disciples. The 12th one went and hugged himself uh, because of the guilt of betraying Jesus Christ. And so now there are 11 remaining disciples. You, 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 this is, this is actually, let me go back, I'm feeling my introduction. You missed a spot to shout just on the fact that he went to the 11 disciples. Remember that the last time we really see any of them, they are running in terror. They have deserted the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was getting ready to be arrested, Matthew says that they all fled. We, we, the, the last that we hear of even uh, Peter, we, the last thing we hear about him is he denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but on three different occasions. So what we remember about the 11 disciples is that they are fleeing him and they have denied him. But yet Jesus Christ, after he dies upon the cross, stayed in the grave, rises on the third day morning, he goes to the very ones that deserted him and says, I still have use of you. Oh, you missed a good spot to do something, say something, to be grateful, to know that God didn't just throw us away when we turn our backs on him. But he comes back to us, restores us and say, I have use of you. I'm so glad, church, that I serve a God not of a second chance but of another chance because I know me and I blew the second one long, 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 long time ago. But he keeps giving me another one and another one because he's a God of mercy. He goes to the 11 and he says, the text says that they are in Galilee. He finishes where he starts. In Galilee, and then he makes his pronouncement. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's when he says all authority, he's let them know that I am king, that I am the one in charge. He is making a claim to kingship. But there's a lot loaded into this statement. The first thing that he says in this pronouncement, he lets them know that, first of all, I have unlimited authority. Watch this, watch this. He says, all authority. Say all. All. He is the only king who can ever say that he had all authority. Every other king, president, leader has, can only claim that they had some authority. Yeah, yeah. President Biden only has some authority. Yeah. Even as the, 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 the quote-unquote leader of the free world, he only has some authority. Yeah. The prime minister of, of Canada and England only has some authority. Yeah. Oh, since we are in this time that we're in, even Putin yeah, yeah. only has some authority. Yeah. Let me see if I can make it plain. President, President Biden has a lot of authority, but he doesn't have all authority. Yeah. Democracy demands that he has limited powers. As the chief of the executive branch, he can only enforce the powers of the law. However, the legislation or the making of laws is left to Congress. The interpretation of the law is left to the courts. He 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 has limited authority, but we see the limitation of his authority even in that he's a man under authority. He has to answer to Congress. He, he if, if he does something that he's not supposed to do, he can be impeached, and then he, they can vote to say he's got to get out of there. As president, his power is limited. He can, oh, he only has some authority. All right, y'all don't like America? Let me go over the ocean, then. The Queen of England. She really had no authority. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> how did that make it in here? y'all crazy there's a prime minister that actually runs the country but even his power is limited you you, you say okay Brandon but what about dictators they even have limited authority can I show it to you one way or the other they will have to they're going to die naturally or unnaturally they are still under the authority of death. They they could even die from assassination. They, they They have limited authority. Presidents, prime ministers, potentates, all of them have some authority. They have limited authority, all but King Jesus. He says, I ain't just got some authority, I have all authority he, he, he proclaims that there is no limit to his authority. He is, when he says, I have all authority, he is letting people know, his disciples know that he is king of kings, lord of lords, and sovereign of sovereigns. He doesn't even, his authority even isn't even limited by death. They tried death, but he overcame the graves. He has all authority. He has unlimited authority. But not only does he have unlimited authority, he also has universal authority. Watch what he says. He says, all authority were in heaven and on earth. When he says in heaven and on earth, he means the universe, His authority spans the universe. There are no bounds to the authority of King Jesus. See, he he is unlike every other authority in the world because even the U.S. president can only claim authority over the United States and its surrounding territories. Prime ministers can only claim authority over their particular country. But Jesus says, I'm not just king over one area. I'm king of everywhere. He has authority over the entire universe. He says, "In heaven and on earth, don't overlook him." Saying, "I've got authority in heaven." That when he says in heaven, he is referring to the unseen realm. And just because it's unseen, doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean it's unreal. It's very real. It's the unseen, the invisible. It's the space that is occupied by angels, the heavenly beings. And and by the way, when we say angels, I'm referring both to fallen and unfallen angels. Beloved, up above our head, there is battle happening right now. And we do know that the leading fallen angel is Satan, the deceiver, our great enemy. But when Jesus says, I have all authority, he wants even hell to hear. Y'all going to have to bow down too. He, he, wants the, he wants us to know that even Satan and all his demons will have to submit to his authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. There is nothing on earth in the universe that doesn't have to bow down to King Jesus. Even the tiniest Adam has to bow down to his sovereignty. If if the tiniest Adam is running out of control, then Jesus is no longer sovereign. But thanks be to God, that's not the case. Everything has to bow down to King Jesus. That's actually good news for somebody because you're not not just worrying about the unseen realm. You're worrying about the things that you can see and that are giving you problems right now. You've got medical issues. Well, guess what? He's the chief physician. He's got authority over your body, which means that sickness has to bow to him. Disease has to bow to him. Illness has to bow to him. Even COVID has to bow to him. Yeah, He he has all authority. All right, y'all say I ain't sick. But maybe you got financial problems. Y'all ain't going to say amen to that. But I've been there, done that, and might still be doing none of your business. But guess what? Even a, 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 a money has to bow down. He has authority even over that. He, he has authority in heaven and on earth. Not only does he have a limited authority, and only does he have universal authority, but watch this. He has undisputed authority. I'm still in the text. All authority in heaven and on earth, watch this, has been given to me. What in the world? Who gave it to him? None other than his father, God the father. But why does that matter? Because God is the author of all creation. And as the author of all creation, he is the supreme authority of creation. And only the author, the originator, the creator has the right to define and determine who can be in authority. So when, he's, when, he, when Jesus says, it's been given to me, he's saying the one who authored the universe is the one who has given me authority. And guess what, he ain't given it to nobody else. Which means, children of God, not, I, not only could he, I have put it, that he has undisputed authority, but he has unrivaled authority. Question, who is God's rival? If you're not too careful, the first thing you'll say is Satan. But remember, Satan's a created being. God is not. God created him so Satan can't be his rival. He has no rival. This authority of King Jesus is undisputed. So Jesus proclaims, I have all authority. I am King of kings and Lord of lords. He shows up and lets them know I am large and in charge. And so, verse 19, he says, Therefore, based on the authority that I have and based on the authority that you are now under, we move from the king's pronouncement to the king's prescript. His command, his mandate. Here it is. Go and make disciples. Friends, the mandate, oftentimes when we read this, we get stuck on the go. But go is actually not the imperative, the command in the original language. The the imperative, the command is make disciples. Now that you are under my authority, I charge you to make disciples. A couple of A few observations. First of all, we must notice that this is the imperative. This is a command, say command, which means that it's not a suggestion. This is something that the king says we are called to do. This is a matter of obedience. This is called the great commission. Beloved, when he says to make disciples, He is giving us our purpose as followers of Jesus Christ. The reason that the church exists is to glorify God by making disciples. We are in the business of making disciples. That's what we've been charged to do. That's what we've been called to do. That's who we are. The, the 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 disciples. Let's not get it twisted. I, I just want to lean in on this. Our mission is to make disciples. That's our mission. Our, our, our mission now. There would would be things, there are things that we do to help us accomplish our mission, but what happens oftentimes in organizations is we suffer from mission drift. We start doing other things, which are good things a lot of the times, but we've drifted away from what we actually were created to do. Some churches exist to be centers of justice. That's not a bad thing, is it? Say no. That's a good thing. But our purpose is not to be a center for for social justice. We should do justice. I've told you, justice is at the core of the gospel. We ought to do that. But what we wake up for and go to bed at night for, what we do, everything that we do is about making disciples. We can't drift and make justice the main thing or make outreach the main thing. Outreach is a part of disciple-making, but what we have to do is make disciples. Not even good works are at the core of what the church is. We are called to make disciples again. We ought to do good works. But if that comes at the expense of making disciples, we are not following the king's prescript. We are called to make disciples. But I know what y'all are quiet. Y'all are saying, preacher, what's a disciple? By definition, a disciple is a learner, a student, a pupil, a follower. You follow in order to learn and to become what the master teacher is and to do what the master teacher does. We are learners and followers who obey our master and we do what our master tells us to do, which is to make disciples. And so Jesus here, He does something unique. I like what he does. He actually takes us in a way, he takes us back to Genesis. Remember, God creates uh, Adam and Eve, male and female. He created them in his image and in his likeness. And then he blessed them. And what does he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply. That's what he says. Be fruitful and multiply, reproduce. Procreate. Jesus now comes in under the new creation. He's the first fruits of the new creation. And he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. That's what we do as the church. We ought to be fruitful and multiply. We reproduce. We ought to be a disciple-making machine. We ought to be disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. This is a discipleship center. Okay, preacher, you kind of told us what a disciple is. How am I supposed to do that? Yeah, I said supposed to. <laughs> Here it is. Two present, past, two present participles. First, baptizing them. So, 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 we've got the mandate. Now Jesus gives us the means. First thing He say is mark the disciples. That's what we mean when Jesus says baptizing them. He, he oh, 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 wait a minute. Y'all thought y'all was going to get out of here without me saying something about this. What did he say? He says, make disciples of what? Y'all tried it. I'm back. Ponta ta ethnate in the Greek. I always show that to you to know that kind of get her money's worth. Ponta, all, oh, ta, the, Ethne. Sound like a word you know? Yeah. Ethnicities, ethnic. Jesus says, I want you to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And guess what? As you make disciples, now what we're going to do is we're going to put them into a church. And so now what Jesus says is I want a kingdom that is expressive in local churches that uh, are of all nations, all people groups, all ethnicity." Jesus, what he has done is, remember back in Matthew, help me, Holy Ghost, chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples, he sends them out into mission, but he He limits their mission, the scope of their mission. He says, I only want you to go to the house of Israel. That's Matthew 10. But Matthew 28, now Jesus says, I'm going to expand the scope of your ministry. It's not just to Jews, but it's to Gentiles as well. Both Jews and Gentiles are now going to make up this new covenant community called the church. That's why it's all nations. Oftentimes in, in, in the original text, "ethne" refers to Gentiles. And so he's saying the Gentiles, I want, I want them to be brought into this new covenant community. And so one of the reasons this whole multi-ethnic thing, we don't do this whole multi-ethnic church thing because it's a good idea. It is a good idea that I got from Jesus. For the record, we don't do this because it's the fad of the moment. I keep up with the church stuff. Be glad y'all don't see all the stuff happening in the church world, but I keep up with it. And one of the big things right now is multi-ethnic ministry. Everybody wants a little piece of it right now to some varying degree. We don't do this just because it's the fad. It's not, it's not just what's in style. We, that's not why we do it. We do this because of a conviction from Scripture But Jesus says this right here, I want my kingdom, my church, to be of all nations. And when the community allows, that church ought to look like it's community. Let me for the record, because uh, um, somebody's going to leave here saying, well, he he thinks every church ought to be multi-ethnic. And if every church is not multi-ethnic, then that church is wrong. And so we make it a matter of sin and, and, and righteousness, but I didn't say that. I said that the church ought to reflect its community, which means that I don't think every church has to be multi-ethnic. But every church uh, but, but every church should not be trying not to be multi-ethnic. One of the worst things that happened to the church is when the homogenous unit principle came out. The homogenous unit principle says that that if we really, the best way to reach reach people is for people that look like them to reach them and then put them in the churches that look like them as well. That, That was the church growth tactic. Now, I'm all for indigenous leaders, indigenous people, reaching indigenous people. I'm good. I'm good with that. But Jesus died for Jews and Gentiles. And he says, I want you to make disciples that are then going to create, plant churches of all nations. So why do we do this? Because from Genesis 12, God told Abram, he says, I want you to go and leave your people and go to a land that I will show you. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He didn't just say all Jewish families. He said all the families of the earth will be uh, will be blessed. So now the greater son of Abraham has come to make this possible that all the families can be blessed. And it's going to be through. The church making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. All right, I did it. What's the means for making disciples? Mark them, baptize them. This, this idea of baptism assumes conversion. It assumes that we have evangelized as we went. There's the go. It it assumes that we've evangelized uh, non-disciples and that we have uh, shared the gospel with them and they have uh, responded positively to the gospel by believing in Jesus Christ. And so it assumes evangelism. And so then after an individual is converted, the first act of obedience is to be baptism. When we see baptism happening in the New Testament, we see it really close to the time somebody comes to faith. Why y'all quiet? Did I say something wrong, Dominic? It is the baptism is the uh, 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 one-time initiation into the new covenant community. It is our first act of obedience that is our initiation into the new covenant community. You only have to be initiated into the community one time. Hence, (laughs) hardcore Baptists would tell you there is no such thing as re-baptism. You just took a dunk in some water the first time. It wasn't necessarily baptism, but now once you believe, now you are baptized because baptism signifies something. What does it signify? It signifies Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Baptism is Good Friday. I go down. The old man dies, and I'm in the water, hopefully not too long. I'm buried That's Holy Saturday. Oh, but then I come up, a new man, and now I'm walking in the newness of life. This identifies my union with Christ. I have died with Christ. I have been buried with Christ, and now I have risen with Christ. Baptism is, it it signifies our union with Christ, but it's also, y'all heard me say this before, baptism is our coming out party as well. When we are baptized, it is us coming out and telling the world, I'm with Jesus now. I, I am making a definitive break with whatever I was tied to before. For, for, for Jews, it was, I am making a, a break with uh, a, this, Jew, this old Jewish faith, and now I am coming, and I'm being on Jesus' team, that where we are saved by grace through faith and not by works. It is a definitive break that I, I am breaking with this old way of life and what I have tied myself to, and now I'm with Jesus and now I'm making a witness to the church and to whoever else will witness this, that now I'm with Jesus. I'm on Jesus' team. And So Jesus says, we make disciples by baptizing them. This is our sign that we are part of this new covenant community. So it's our first act of obedience. It's our one time initiation into the new covenant community. And it's assumed that we've done the work of evangelism and people have turned their hearts and surrendered to Jesus Christ. So we baptize them and oh, praise the name of the Lord. We get to do that today. Beloved, every time a believer is baptized, that is a call to rejoice because it lets us know that somebody's seat in hell has been counseled and they are now on the Lord's team. There's a space reserved from them in heaven and the angels rejoice. And if the angels rejoice, who have never been redeemed, by the way, then folks who have been redeemed, the Bible says, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. So if you've been redeemed, you ought to show up with a praise on your lips. If you've been redeemed, you ought to show some sign. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so redeemed folks, one way we show our sign is we go to the water. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't wait. I think we're going to sing that. Tag me to the water. We're going to sing that in a little bit. All right, mark the disciples. I'm, I'm trying to make up for last week, so let's, I only got about 30 more minutes. How you like them apples? He says mark the disciples, but then mature disciples. He says teach them, verse 20, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. We We have to teach because being a disciple means being a learner. You can only learn if you're being taught. And so what is implied here is that how you come into the faith, you come as you are, but you are not to stay as you are. Take off them glasses. See, see, we 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 love this "come as you are" stuff, and I'm with it. Amen. I, I want people to come just as you, just as I am. That's what we sing, Hallelujah. You, you, you come just as you are, and Jesus will save you. He'll redeem you. He'll fix you all up. He, he'll do that. But Jesus does not want us to stay as babes. He doesn't want us to stay as newborns. He doesn't want us to stay as spiritual infants. He wants us to grow up. Beloved, Disciple making, being a disciple and making disciples is a call to grow. To mature. Hebrews 5, I believe it is. I guess I should have done my research. Hebrews 5 says, he he chastises the readers. He says, by now, some of y'all ought to have been teachers. And beloved, with a shepherd's heart, and as gently and kindly, as loving as I can say this, by now, some of y'all ought to have been teachers. By now, every when we get a new person in the faith, when we baptize somebody, we ought to be able to say, "Go to Sister So and So or Brother and So and So." They, by now, they are ready to teach. But some of so many of us, well, our growth has been retarded because we refuse to grow. And so, teaching, and some of the reasons we, we, we uh, there, are, there, are, there, there is teaching happening a lot of times in churches, but the problem is they ain't teaching the right thing. Notice what teaches Jesus says the teaching ought to be about me. Watch this, he says, Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. It's about, it's about, it's to be about Christ. But rather, in, in so many churches today, Jesus is not the curriculum. We, we, listen, be mighty careful. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me to get the benefit of the doubt. Be mighty careful when every sermon is how to do such and such. The, 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 no, if it's all about how to be happy, how to make good decisions, And sometimes it's good things, how to parent. If it's always how to, your spiritual antennas ought to go up. Because this is not about, when we preach, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't just teach good living Jesus is to be at the center of our teaching and our preaching. He is to be glorified. Every Sunday, my goal is to make much of Jesus. I, 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 every Sunday, when we get Dominic up, Dominic I get up here to preach, we, we, want, we ought to be saved. It ought to be said that they lifted up Jesus. Now all men will be drawn to him. Ain't that what y'all saying? We ought to lift Jesus up. And unfortunately, we now live in a time where Jesus has been put down and man has been elevated. It's all man-centered, me-centered. It's all about our best life now. When we ought to be preaching about eternal life. Teach them. Mature them. The goal, beloved, is transformation. He wants us to look more and more like him. How do we know you have a mature disciple when you can't tell the difference between them and Jesus? Let me let me help some marriages because y'all y'all want me to preach on marriage. Here we go. Let me help some marriages here. Husbands. you know you are maturing when your wife can look at you and she say, I see glimpses of Jesus in him and how he sacrificed, how he serves. I want it to be said, one of these old days, I'm working hard, y'all. One of these old days, I want kind of look at me and she say, I see Jesus in you, babe. That's the greatest compliment she could ever give me. Not not that, but not that. Ooh, baby, I love how much money you make. (laughs) (laughs) The the greatest compliment is, you look good in all that orange up there, babe. (laughs) The greatest compliment is now, I love how hard you work, even though we ought to be hard workers. But the greatest compliment a Christian husband can ever have is, Oh, I love the Jesus in you. And men, I got something to tell you when it's just us. Let me just say this. Women love to see their man look like Jesus. Mature them. Grow them. And that's our goal. Here at the Bridge Church, we want to help you grow. We want to help you obey. We want to help you look more like Jesus every day of the week. This seems like an enormous task, and it is. It it very well is. To stay focused on disciple-making, to help people acknowledge Jesus as king, and to submit every area of their daily life under his lordship. This, This is hard Work and it seems sometimes insurmountable when 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 CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC do a better job of discipling than the church. Lord, Lord, can we really do this? Because every t- everywhere they go, they're in- inundated with information that is discipling them on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and and whatever else is out there. Look, Lord. Lord Can can I really, can we really do this as a church? Here's what Jesus says. Let me leave you with this promise from the king. He says, and behold. By the way, when Matthew puts behold there or Jesus says behold, he's saying, stop what you're doing and pay attention. Listen up. Here's how you know you're going to be successful. I'll be with you. (laughs) He says, my presence is going to make sure You're successful at what I've charged you to do. See, oh my Lord, y'all gonna make me call the road real quick. I I thought I'd have some witnesses right here, but I knew I just might need my own, so I brought my own. Come here, Abraham. Abraham will tell you that, that the blessing of God's presence, Abraham will tell you that he will take you from the backside of nowhere and make you the father of many nations. Oh, oh, come here, Joseph. Come here, Joseph, that little boy. Hey, come here, Joseph. What happens? By the way, when you read the story of Joseph, here's the refrain that you keep hearing. And the Lord was with him. And because the Lord was with him, the Lord took Joseph from the pit to the palace. Because the Lord was with him, Joseph was able to say, you meant it for evil. <laughs> But God meant it for good because God was with him. Come here, children of Israel, give me a witness. What'll happen when God is with you? They'll tell you that if you get if you ever get between a Red Sea and Pharaoh behind you, if God is with you, he knows how to park that thing. And you'll cross over on dry ground. And then your, when your enemies try to come in behind you, they'll be swallowed up by the water. That's what happens when God is with you. Come, come here, Moses. What'll happen when God is with you? Moses will tell you, he says, I, I had a speech impediment, but I was able to go to mighty Pharaoh and tell him that God said, Let my people go, that they that, that they may serve me. And Moses will tell you, it took me a few times, but but finally, if Pharaoh had to bow down to the king. And because the Lord was with me, I was able to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and bondage and oppression. Come here, David. You was just a little ready shepherd boy. What'll happen if the Lord is with you? He'll take you from the fields to the palace and where you will be king. He will elevate you, promote you. That's what'll happen when, when God is with you. Come here, prophets. What'll happen if God is with you? You will have a message to tell the people you will have to tell them, get right. You sinning, you wrong, repent, or the Lord's wrath is going to come upon you. What will happen? You'll be able to preach it boldly, even when they don't want to hear you, even when they threaten you and want to kill you. God will let you speak on his behalf, all right? Y'all don't like those witnesses. Come here, Brandon. What will happen with, if the Lord is with you? He'll bring you from a poor town like walks a hatchet. It brings you to another town like uh Wichita. <laughs> And and, and and he'll let you plant a multi-ethnic, all-nations church, where they said you couldn't do it because there was two different white folks and black folks can't worship together, even though they serve the same God. What'll happen? Well, this will happen. Don't tell me what the Lord can't do, but I can't. I I, I got in a hurry. Come here, Brandon. Give him another witness. What'll happen if the Lord is with you? Well, he'll save your sinful soul. Yes, he will. Y'all ought to be. Saved witnesses to tell you what'll happen when the Lord is with you. He'll keep you when you're lonely. He'll hold you and protect you. He'll provide for you. He'll save you, redeem you, sanctify you. And one of these old days he'll glorify you. So can we do this? Hey, hey. He says, I will be with you. He promises his presence for our effectiveness. Now, how do we measure success? Come on, worship team. How do we measure success in the church? Is it by the number of people we baptize? Because the, the Southern Baptists ask me for that all the time. Oh, get out, get out of my business. Is it by the number of spiritual conversations we have, how do you measure success in the church when it comes to making disciples? Is it the number of people that show up to a Bible study? Is it the number of people that are in bridge groups? Is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it the amount of money in the bank account? How do you measure success when it comes to making disciples? I'm glad you asked. Here's what Jesus was saying. If you want to know what's successful in disciple making, when we get to heaven, what I want to hear him say is, Well done. Watch this. Good end. Thank you. Help me preach this thing. Faithful servant. We measure success based on faithfulness. And we leave the results up to God, who has all authority to soften even the hardest of hearts. So my call to us today, church, is to be faithful in what we've been called to do. Why is it that every Sunday somebody gets up here and says, we are the bridge church that exists to develop develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context? Because I want you to know that that is your purpose as a church, to make disciples, Of all nations. What's the application from today's sermon? I'm glad you asked. Make disciples. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our hearts have felt. God, we are so glad that we are citizens of the kingdom of King Jesus. And God, there is somebody in this room or on this stream or in our lives who have not yet been transferred into the kingdom of Christ, but yet reside in the kingdom of darkness. So Father, we pray now that you would give us opportunity to bring them before he who is the light. Help us, God, to show them and share with them the light of the gospel. That there is an answer for their darkness. For their sinfulness and for the wrath of god under which they stand condemned god help us to proclaim clearly that that answer is jesus christ believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved the jesus who died was buried and rose on the third day god now we even give you praise and honor for the baptisms that we will behold and share in and participate in on this day. Lord, we thank you. Now God, give us even more clarity, guidance, and wisdom as we go about our Father's business of making disciples through the Bridge Church. Show us. God, when we become complacent, convict us, when we become apathetic, revive us. Help us to be teachers and God help us to be teachable. We thank, we are so thankful for your presence God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let us stand.